Sometimes it's hard to take your own advice, but for once, Mike and I did just that. Three years ago, one year into our Grand Life podcast adventure, we did an episode called Moving Near Grands. Well, here we are, three years later, having done just that. And like our guests suggested would happen, we feel absolutely no regrets. I'm Emily Morgan. And I'm Mike Morgan. And in this episode of The Grand Life, we look back on our interview with three different people about how to plan when you're moving near your grandchildren, what city you might choose, and what to do when you get there. And the advice that I give others in my essay, The Stretch It Takes, well, it's still on the mark even now, years later. Who knew? After the episode, we'll take a few minutes to update you on how our guests feel now after living through a pandemic and gaining a fresh perspective about their decision to move closer to their families. For now, here's the episode that we published March 1st, 2020, just 10 days before COVID-19 was declared a pandemic. There's a movement afoot. Kind of reminds me of all those Laura Ingalls Wilder books I used to read. Back then, families packed up their belongings and headed out west in their wagon to seek a better life for themselves and their children. They often left behind good homes, friends, even family. Fast forward to today. Grandparents are doing something similar in search of family connection. They are selling their homes, packing their belongings, and looking for a way to be closer to their children and grandchildren. I hear it all the time. And it makes me wonder, what's on the other side of that decision? Are they happy to have moved? Have they found a new group of friends and do they miss their old homes? In this episode, we're going to explore these questions by talking to three different guests. The first is a city planner who has helped a small city become officially age-friendly, both to draw grandparents to her city and to keep them there once they arrive. Our second guest and her husband pulled up stakes after 45 years of living in Ohio and move themselves to Virginia to be with some of their grandchildren. In The Stretch It Takes, I talk about how complicated leaving a home can be and what one needs to consider before taking that big step. I end the episode with a couple who moved to Indianapolis from Chicago, and while they don't have regrets, they recognize that change can be difficult and that creating boundaries for themselves is one way to keep life in balance for them and their family. I sat down with Megan Schaefer, a city planner, to talk with her about attracting grandparents to a Midwestern city that has grown from 8,000 people in 1990 to nearly 100,000 today. Many of the residents are young families, but as you might expect, grandparents often follow. In moving to be near your grands, the city you move to might be officially age-friendly. That's a thing now. Schaefer is part of a committee to create this age-friendly environment. And while our listeners hail from all over the country, and actually all over the world, her city of Fishers, Indiana, can serve as an example of many other cities who are moving in that direction. What might make Fishers unique is that it has already been designated an age-friendly city by the AARP, the American Association for Retired People. AARP helps older people find volunteer opportunities where they live. They offer discounts on purchases. And they represent the interests of seniors at state and local levels on topics like age discrimination, 
protecting pension rights, and tackling Social Security and Medicare issues. All these things become more important to us as we age. Somehow, the AARP knows I'm part of their demographic and have been for a while. I remember the first time I received an invitation to become an AARP member. Honestly, I was kind of insulted because I was maybe 50 years old, but it didn't take long before I recognized that being over 55 has its perks. The first time I was offered a free beverage at Taco Bell and a 10% discount, I decided it didn't matter that I looked old enough for one. I just took the cup that was handed to me and pocketed the extra change. Age happens. So I asked Megan, why did this city in the middle of the country want to become age-friendly? So what we found is that either there's residents that are aging that have been here for a while, or people are choosing to move to Fishers um, to be closer to either their children or their grandchildren. Um, And I hear that time and time again. We have several committee members who moved to Fishers for that very reason. It might surprise you, but unless a city makes intentional choices to be age-friendly, you may find it harder just to get around in it as you age. Megan explained that there are five categories to be addressed in order to accommodate older folks. Um, one would be housing, also transportation, healthcare, community information, and then community resources, specifically the parks. One of the things that I'm sure will be coming out as we talk to people who are moving into this area is that they've had to leave their friends behind. They've left their community, their, all the things that were familiar to them, and all of a sudden they're moving to another place that's very foreign to them. So how do they get involved? I mean, what could they do to get to know people in the community besides just their own grandchildren? I know the school system has some good volunteering opportunities, local nonprofits, Um, The library is a great resource that I'd also uh, suggest someone, you know, just reach out to to learn about what's in the community. Other ways to dig in and get involved could include schools and churches. Local universities offer classes as well. You might find your people at an exercise class or a book club, but wherever you find them, you will want to branch out so that you're not just with people your own age. There's actually such a broad range, 55 to, say, 85, and that's a very, that's 30 years. There's quite a bit of difference between a, a very active 55-year-old and a person who's 85 who maybe at that point is really seeking things like public transportation because they need to get to the hospitals or the doctors and they can't drive themselves because they have macular degeneration or some kind of disability. Yes. So we heard that. With the community engagement aspect of this action plan, we heard that time and time again. Mm -hmm. You know, we heard from um, residents that were in their late 50s, maybe early 60s that said, I don't want to go play bingo. I want to do something more exciting. Like what I'm interested in isn't necessarily what maybe an 85-year-old is interested in. Mm -hmm. And so I think with our community resources um, that we currently have, that's something that we're going to be a lot more aware of as we program Um, events. Yeah. You know, just if you're targeting older adults, what older adults are you targeting? Right. Because those are going to be completely different needs and wants. One thing that we can all agree on is how important it is to have a city that allows for walkability and greenways, a city that connects people of all ages. I think there's a social benefit there and then the health benefit, too, Mm -hmm. um, of people getting out and, and moving is good for any age. In general, the population is aging, and so it's important for cities to pay attention to that trend. 
And if you are looking to move to be near Grands, you might be looking for a certain kind of age-friendly home, handicapped accessibility, curb cuts, choices in doctors and hospitals, as well as nearby shopping and good restaurants. All of these things are important considerations when planning a move. The hope is that your children and grands live in a place that you can be happy in as well. In a conversation with Linda Brosey, who moved with her husband to be close to her grandchildren, she definitely feels that she made the right decision. I asked her why they decided to move. The main impetus was to come uh, down to Virginia and live near our daughter. And at that point, she had two daughters. Once we moved down here, they had the third daughter. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. She must have felt like, oh, I've got some support here. I might as well have another child. (laughs) Yes, yes. So that's that's what really brought us down here. We lived in Northwest Ohio. We had no family there, and it was hard for the kids to get back home. And we're getting we were getting older, and uh, it's nice to be around family. What kinds of things do you think about when you think about leaving? Where were you, you were leaving a place you'd been in a long time, but what what else did you leave behind? Well, of course, you always leave behind friends. Mm-hmm. left behind a, a lot of community involvement, a lot of projects, but I left behind a lot of accomplishments. So that made me feel good too. Yeah. Did you find it at all hard to leave that and even just even leaving a home? We had already quote unquote downsized mm-hmm. to a condo, which was fairly good size. Uh, it's always hard to leave, but home has never been particularly a place with me. It's always been where my family was because I moved around a lot as a child. Mm. So I was, uh, you know, it was, as I say, it was where, where family, not, not the physical part, but the, you know, the emotional part of of uh, being with, uh, with your family. Yeah. So just getting just all of the the things that are required to uh, wean yourself away from a, a city, things like, uh, I don't know, getting rid of a lot of things, actually the physical part of moving, uh, that would seem hard to me, the actual, like, <laughs> getting all of the things gone. <laughs> well, it, it was hard in a way, although, as I say, we had already, I'd already done the initial downsizing. Mm-hmm. So I got rid of yard sale things and the things that went to, the thrift shop and the things that went to the landfill. I we'd already I'd already made those big cuts. Yeah. So we when we moved down here, we believe it or not, I had a moving van loaded. Yeah, isn't it crazy how we can accumulate and we're like, how did that happen? I don't even even after you clear out. It it is and I and I my my theme was if I bring something into the house, I have to get rid of two things. Well, I don't think I did very well at that. <laughs> I get it. So when you told friends that you were moving from a place of 45 years, did you feel encouragement about that? Did they encourage you or did they say, no, don't do that? No, they were very encouraging. And it was the right thing for us to do uh, at our age. Mm -hmm. And if we had waited another four years, I think it would have been more difficult physically to Mm. move. Moving is, is hard. And tell me about the way it feels to be across the street from your grandchildren. It's wonderful. We bought a house that was way too big for what we really needed. 
However, uh-huh. the location was, you know, it's all about location. Our son-in-law was fine with it. He said, I'd rather have them a minute away than 20 minutes away. Yeah. So we got his support, which was extremely important. I think the best thing is that it keeps you grounded in what's real. You don't get caught up with all this stuff, so to speak, that goes on around you continually. And you really get a chance to get to know their personalities and their dreams, their frustrations, um, all those things. And, it, and it's good for us who are older to have a connection with the younger generation. It keeps you young, doesn't it? It does. It does. Sometimes I wonder, but it does. <laughs> you know, I've known you for a little while, and one of the things I love about you is that you're so positive. I'm wondering if you can just think through maybe some advice you would give to a couple who is moving into an area that's unknown to them. Are there any things that you could recommend? Having family so close really helped because we did things with them, you know, kind of initially. But I just think the it was just the adventure of someplace new, and you go into it with the attitude that um, this is now your home. I joined a gym. I've become friends with uh, the women who I exercise with. And one of the groups, they go out to lunch once a month. Then I joined a swimming group, and we go out to lunch, I don't know, maybe every other week or something like that. And so that's another avenue. I think putting yourself out in places where you're going to meet people that like to do the same thing you like to do. It would be really easy, I think, if you were an introvert, to just move to a place where your grandchildren were and insulate yourself with your family And while it's lovely to have family, it also seems like it could be very isolating. Linda suggests that adjusting to a new place requires a three-fold commitment, which includes family, community involvement, and then time alone. I like to kind of stay home occasionally and do some things around the house. I have projects that I do. I have genealogy things that I love to do. So Mm -hmm. I think you can, uh, so I think you, you should have some interest that you enjoy doing that doesn't always necessitate you going out and about. Yeah, it's a balance, isn't it? it and is. it sounds like you've you've reached a really great spot and that's that's wonderful. I'm so happy for you and happy for your grandkids that they get that memory, all those memories with you. It's amazing. Yeah, especially the little one. Um we 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 watch her one afternoon a week. Well, at minimum. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a lot of times she's over here for <laughs> breakfast and over here for lunch and and, and yeah. that's, that's the fun part, at least of, of where we live in proximity to them. Being right across the street is ideal, oh, yeah. I would think. One of the most stressful events of one's life is moving. It ranks right up there with the death of a loved one and divorce. Moving is an upheaval, a life change, a literal shedding of so much of what makes us us. There are a lot of reasons a person moves, and sometimes it's because of other difficult life changes, death, divorce, job loss. 
but there can be good reasons to move too, and one of those would be to be near our adult children and our growing grands. Even then, the actual moving to be near them is not easy. We might feel like we're literally bending over backwards to make it happen. It requires a good deal of letting go and stretching our relationship muscles with our family, friends, and even our cherished homes and belongings. It's a lot of change. So let's go to the mat and consider how we can stay flexible in deciding whether or not to make a move and then actually accomplishing it if we say yes. When I sit down with friends over coffee, we often talk about moving to be near our grandchildren. There are so many different scenarios. A couple who lives in Seattle, but whose children have both settled in New York City. Friends who have some family down the street in Indianapolis and other children and grands in Pennsylvania. Others who have children and grands scattered across the country from Maine to California. And another who has one in Europe, one in Texas, and three in Massachusetts. Sometimes the conversation revolves around mathematics. Where are the most grandchildren? Or around need. Who needs us most? Or location. Where's the most comfortable living environment for me as I age? Or maybe even around relationships. What child do I click with the best? Yes, parents don't have favorites really, but they might have those whose lifestyle, marriage, or location fit better with their own ideals. Then there are the other most practical questions. How do I afford to live in a city that has a much higher cost of living? How would I even begin to make friends? Does the place they live have resources for us as we age? Am I going to be closer or further away from my own parents? The list is long and complicated, not to mention that it's easier to just stay put. I once read a study that said that if you don't make the last stages of life decisions early, by the time you're 70 years old, if I remember correctly, it becomes much more difficult to move forward after that. I get it. My husband and I are a decade away from that, but as each year passes, we become less and less interested in the kind of changes we know are going to have to happen as we age. Not to mention the kind of level-headedness it requires for the paperwork and logistics. So we are starting now to divest ourselves of material goods. We are simplifying in a way that is deliberate. We purchase fewer things and we purge often. I have rid myself of many loads of collectibles, chinaware, furniture, clothing, and kitchen items. My husband has sold old collectible toys and tools. We are downsizing inside the house in anticipation of eventually moving to be somewhere smaller and also developing an awareness that our children really don't want that eight-foot-tall antique armoire we're so fond of, or our own grandmother's fine china we never use but are hanging on to. Now, there may be some of you who are doing just the opposite, creating more space for the grands, adding on, making room so that when they all come home, there is room for them all. It's the if-you-build-it-they-will-come philosophy. And that's a choice that many make, And in my conversations, I've heard stories of those who do that, and then the grands don't come to visit despite the pool and the pool table. But there are others who do that, and the grands do come. So it's a gamble either way. There are those who go small and then get hotel rooms for their kids and grands when they come. It's cheaper than a huge mortgage, they explain. Or they stop making their home the place to gather and believe it's time to have the kids take over the job. The options are as varied as the people I talk to. The one thing our conversations have in common, though, 
is that we agree it is not an easy decision no matter what. We are all doing our best. And as I mentioned in my very first episode of The Grand Life, grandparenting has definitely evolved. How many of you had grandparents who moved to be close to you? I'm going to guess that very few of you had that situation. It just wasn't the norm. In the 50s and 60s, grandparents stayed put. The children moved to be closer. Things have changed. And so many of my friends have embraced the change and moved to be closer to their adult children and their grands. It's not an easy decision, and it requires some amount of sacrifice and a lot of flexibility. Let's listen in on one couple who have made the decision to move and how it has worked out for them. Welcome, Jim and Angie. How are you? Hi, we're fine. Yeah, nice to be here. It's good to have you here. Um, So we're going to talk today about moving to be close to your grandchildren. And I've had a little bit of a chance to get to know you and talk a little bit, but I still don't know a lot of your story about why you chose to move near your grandchildren. First of all, you have how many grandchildren here? Two. Two boys, four and five. Okay. And what made you think about actually moving here? We raised our kids, our three children, in the Chicagoland area with no family around. So when we moved to town for a job, all of a sudden, you know, we have three kids and we don't have any, we don't know anybody and we have no babysitter on Saturday night. Forget that. So we never forgot that feeling. Mm-hmm. We lived there a long time and um, our friends became our family. We traveled for every holiday. And so we didn't want our daughter and her family to experience the same thing if we could do something about it. That's so interesting because I feel like that's a common thread among people of our generation. Um, We often had to travel to go see our parents. We weren't going on vacations. We were going to see the grandparents. Oh, yeah. Most of our vacations, quote unquote vacations, were really to go to see family. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy because... I agree. That's how I feel, too. I don't want my kids to have to do that. I don't want my grandkids to be constantly in cars having to come to see us. Um, So we travel more to -hmm. see them. How long ago did you move to be here? I guess it's coming up on 18 months. Okay. So a year and a half. And what did it require of you to move from where you were to move here? Did you require downsizing? Did you change your lifestyle? How did that work? Um. Not too much, except location, really. I was able to continue in my job, uh, except work from home remotely now. And the place we have now is pretty comparable to what we had there. Mm-hmm. Um, except it's, you know, we it was hard to leave friends that we'd had for some of them for 40 years. Yeah. Uh, where we were. But we still make it a point now to see them. It was choosing to be near family. Those yeah. grandkids, too. Everybody told us how great grandkids would be. Yeah. And we were like, yeah, yeah, I, I bet they are. <laughs> and Angie, are they great? Is it great to be around? It is great to be around them. Um, we find that our daughter and her family kind of take the place of the time that we spent with friends. Mm. And I am really fortunate in that in my work, I am gone about every other week for work. And I drive that nasty drive back to Chicagoland. But it's been a real blessing because I stay with a cadre of different girlfriends. And as grandmas, um, we're learning that there's less time than we thought. We thought that, 
you know, when you get into those twilight years, <laughs> you're about ready to retire, or maybe one of you's retired. Mm-hmm. You're going to have all this time. You're going to play canasta with all your friends. <laughs> well, everybody has grandkids. Yeah. Lots of grandkids. And they travel all over the country. People's families are spread out a lot more than they were even when we were young. Right. And so there's no time. Yes, there's no time to change a lot. They've changed a lot. Yeah. The expectations. So now when I go to work, in our hometown of 40 years, um, I see my girlfriends and our dear friends a whole lot more than I had probably in the last 10 years. Wow, that's neat. That's a really great way to kind of wean yourself away. I mean, yes. because otherwise you're just, if you move further away and mm-hmm. you're not, you don't have a job in that area, then you really do like lose touch with your friends for right. the most part. And I expect that my work is really gonna taper off in this next 18 months, and then I'll probably be retired. But then we get to choose to go to live with some of our friends for a week at a time instead yeah. of, you know, just for a few days. <laughs> Do they know this? You're planning on being there for a week at a time. Oh, I wasn't going to mention that, you know, <laughs> on the podcast, they might hear it. <laughs> so when you are with your grandkids, um, what kind of responsibilities do you have with them? Our daughter and her husband are easygoing. <laughs> I think we, we're pretty well aligned on what's appropriate and what's not. Mm-hmm. And what they should be doing and not. We do love being with them. I mean, we go to museums. There's a lot of stuff, a lot of things around here to do. And just being with them. And (laughs) we have these Nerf snowballs now. (laughs) Great invention. Have you you, you experienced those? No. You can throw them as hard as you can inside the house and they won't hurt anything. (laughs) It's kind of like um, dense cotton balls. But the thing that's so cool about them is that when you squeeze them, it crunches like snow. Oh, my goodness. But it can't knock over a lamp. I need to find these. Yeah, they're all over the internet, but that was the hit. Yeah. So we, so we play our... a lot of indoor catch. So you have snowball fights in, We do. In we had house. one today, as a matter of fact. Sounds great. <laughs> so also... you, don't have, you don't have, like, babysitting responsibilities. No, or... I didn't want to do that. Yeah. And even when I'm retired, I don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. And um, Jim would probably be gentler about that than I would be. But um, I made that kind of clear in the nicest way before we came <laughs> that I wasn't going to be. Uh, and I know grandmas who do that. Yeah. And I think they're crazy. Uh, you know, <laughs> I, it just wouldn't work out for me. I think that if you're too giving, too easygoing, at least for me, that resentment can build up. Mm-hmm. Even though you agreed to it. Yes. I said I would do it. I said I would keep him for the whole summer, and now, you know, it's July 15th, and I'm thinking, what in the heck did, you know, <laughs> oh my gosh, I've got, you know, two more months to go. I just, um, I don't want to, I think that would be the worst part of the relationship, and I am an upfront, let's just get it on the table kind mm-hmm. of gal. This is what I need, and what is it that you need? Let's right. work together to see how we can meet each other's needs, and be totally respectful for one another. Right. Because if you don't, you like you said, if you don't place boundaries on the situation, um, you can become resentful and you're the one who agreed to it. All told, it's a pretty positive thing. Yes. But there have to have been some negative things other than just leaving your, leaving your friends. What about your church? Was that hard? It was. We'd been there for um, 40 years, mm-hmm. and we were both pretty involved in that, very involved. We not, raised our family there. Not having family in the area. Our, yeah. our closest friends really came through church. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. 
yeah. which is where we are looking for him now. Right, right. Same thing. Yeah. You have that same faith base. So it, the one thing that I think about, and this is so ridiculous, but it's like, if I died here in Indianapolis, who would come to my funeral? Nobody. Oh, no, I because, think it's a legit concern. I've thought I by, mean, that myself. <laughs> like, where would I be buried? I mean, it's kind of crazy. And yeah. then um, sometimes I wonder if our kids fully realize what we gave away to come here. Yes. It's a sacrifice for you, and it is sometimes, I think, hard for your kids to realize what kinds of sacrifices you're making in every way. You've left a home that you you said you called it your dream home. Mm -hmm. You've left that. You've left, you know, friends. You've left your church. And so there is, uh, you know, there's a certain emptiness, but Mm -hmm. that's obviously filled a lot by being with your children and being with your grandchildren. So, I mean, it is in the long run, if you did a cost-benefit analysis, Mm -hmm. you'd say, okay, it was worth it. Oh, I would, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, if you asked us if we'd do it again, we certainly would do it again. It's really fascinating, isn't it, that you and I are experiencing all this right now. I mean, something we imagine might happen someday, but we weren't anticipating it for another eight to 10 years. I know, it's, and it's hard to see into the future. It was hard when we started this. It's still hard to see even right now. I would say, though, that you and I agree that just like our guests right now, we are exactly where we are supposed to be. Mm-hmm. We're just a few minutes by car from our adult children and their kids, our grands, who have never had extended family living close by. You know, I asked our guests, some some of the guests that we just had on to weigh in on their lives right now in 2023. Linda and her husband wrote that their local grands are now 20 and 17 and 7. And she and her husband see the kids a lot, even hitching rides with them for dinner dates. Can you imagine that? They're old enough for that. And the youngest comes over on her bike, plays in the creek behind their house and often entertains them. So during COVID, though, they locked down as a family so they could enjoy each other's company. And this included movie night on the porch with popcorn and warm blankets and plenty of fresh air. And, you know, we got this great note from Jim and Angie, the last guests you interviewed, about how their relationships with their grands have progressed since they moved to be near them. It was a hysterical note. And uh, we'll read you part of it in, in a minute. But in general, Angie writes that they've gone from changing diapers to attending baseball games and loving every minute of this new normal. The COVID year, though, when the kindergartner was coming to their house for virtual learning, that was another story. So here's a little bit of what Angie sent us. (laughs) She wrote, there were 64 kids in his Zoom class with each one in control of their mute and volume button. It sounded like a New York City bus with a dad and his BVDs up close and very personal. Parents arguing, siblings in fisticuffs over a bagel while the teacher was teaching phonics with magnetic letters on her tiny apartment refrigerator using a stuffed owl pointer. (laughs) We loved her description. But, you know, in the end, they all made it. And as grandparents, they have learned more about maintaining their own boundaries while they expand the friendships that they have in their new place and figuring out who the true friends are either local or back where they moved from. Yes, she writes again, we are learning to stay invested in the ones most dear and who are invested in us and let other friendships fade without feeling guilty or anxious about it. 
So much good content here to think about. If you are moving or thinking of moving to be near your grands, we hope this episode has helped you as much as it's helped us. So write to us at grandlifeconnection at gmail.com or comment on our Grand Life Facebook page. I'm Emily Morgan. And I'm Mike Morgan. And thank you for joining us in Living the Grand Life. Next time on The Grand Life. Almost everybody that comes here has a train story. That a grandparent has ridden a train. Maybe they had a train when they were a kid. You know, everybody that comes here, this rings a bell. And so you have, you know, grandparents kind of being reminded of that here. And they're, and they're talking to their grandchild about their train experience. That's next time here on The Grand Life.